And welcome back, sports fans. It's another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess, here, as always, with my faithful co-host, Mr. Brad Croston. Brad, how are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing well, Donnie. It's been quite a crazy weekend in sports, and we're gearing up for another crazy one. We got the AFL Grand Final coming up, which is a huge day on the sports calendar, especially for us Aussie Rules fans. And then I'm going to be going down to another soccer match this upcoming weekend. It's going to be crazy to see my my team sporting KC. We're going to be playing in Seattle. It's going to be a matchup of 1v2 in the Western Conference. So I'm looking forward to the weekend, but we got to talk some sports first. Cannot wait. Let's jump right into our game plan. As always, we will start with football. We will go over some of the big games in the domestic league. The Europa League's first round play has played. I may not want to talk about a certain game, but we, we won't go there. We will preview champions in Europa League play because they will get started again next week. And we will look at the MLS and how things are going there. We jump to college football, another wacky and crazy week of college football. We will go through that really quickly. We'll check the rankings and see how things have changed and preview the marquee matchups coming up here in week four. And then, we will go and preview and analyze and totally talk through and then tip the AFL grand final and end our episode as per usual with Brad's crazy stat of the week, sir. Let's jump right into it, into the domestic football over in Europe. Let's start in France where things are starting to kind of change a little bit, but PSG again stays on top after another win over the weekend, sir. Uh, just really quickly looking at some of it, Leo gets off the schneid and gets a win at 2-1. Ren beats Claire Defoot 6-0, and PSG survive earlier today against Mets 2-1. Yeah, it's been quite a crazy weekend and then into the midweek play as well with PSG getting that win today, like you were saying earlier. But if we take a look at it, yeah, PSG 2-1 over Lyon over the weekend. Neymar and Icardi get the goals. And it was pretty crazy seeing Lionel Messi get subbed out of the game by Pochettino in a move that kind of shocked, kind of shocked some people. But it ended up being the substitute Mauro Icardi who got the goal late on to get the win over Lyon, a huge win for PSG as they remain unbeaten in the league. They're at a perfect 7-0-0, 20 goals scored, seven conceded, and Marseille are hanging in there too. Marseille are right underneath PSG right now. They're at four wins and two draws. It's still without a loss, so Marseille have started out the season really well, and Angers have been the real surprise so far. They lost 4-1, over the weekend to Nau, but other than that, they've been able to remain unbeaten in every other game, and that includes a win against the likes of Lyon and a draw against Marseille. So we've got a couple of really interesting teams that are up there in the top half of the table, and then the last the last year's champions, Lille, are down in 14th right now. They were able to get a win today with a 2-1 win over Reim, but it's still going to be interesting to see how they're able to bounce back and get further up the table if they can get back up the table and get into the Champions League and Europa League spots. Yeah, definitely a couple of I think Lil has a really has a chance to kind of get their season going, but they got to start winning some of these games here now, start building some points and kind of building their way back up. But to see PSG struggle today 2-1 over Mets, who's at the bottom of the table. I mean, they are, they are in last place. 
in league uh so to see PSG struggle, I think, is a little bit of a surprise. I think many people thought they get Messi, they've got Neymar, they've got Mbappe, they've got a team that is absolutely unbeatable, and they're showing they still have a little bit of kryptonite in this team. So it'll be fascinating to keep an eye on that. Let's jump over to one of your other favorite leagues, and that is the Bundesliga, where another fascinating round of matches has ended. And we go through it, sir. Sadly, Borussia Dortmund takes down little engine that could Union Berlin 4-2. Wolfsburg gets a draw against Frankfurt. And Bayern Munich, with an absolute smashing, beating Bochum 7-0. Yeah, that was a good one to watch, especially in the special edition Oktoberfest kits that they debuted at the Allianz Arena. Great all-around win for Bayern. Herbe Leipzig drops points again. They go on the road to Cologne and they lose or they tie at 1-1. Definitely not the start that Jesse Marsh would want for his tenure there. And another one to, to take a look at is the 3-1 win for Bayer Leverkusen over Falfe Stuttgart. And Florian Wirtz, the wunderkind at Leverkusen with another goal, and they make up for the fact that they had to play a man down for a considerable amount of this game, Leverkusen. So a great win for them, a tough win for Borussia Dortmund, like you said, 4-2 over Union. And then that's the big story, isn't it? Wolfsburg dropping points for the first time this season. They take their first draw of the season. And it's quite crazy that they're in second place right now through five games played. They've only scored seven goals. They've conceded two, but they've only scored seven. Yet they're still right there going step for step with Bayern and Dortmund. So it'll be interesting to see how Wolfsburg can continue to go about the league right now. They have Gladbach at home and then Union on the road these next couple of weeks. So that's going to be a very interesting run of play for Wolfsburg as they navigate also playing against Sevilla and Salzburg in the Champions League. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. We'll definitely have to keep an eye and see can Wolfsburg can Wolfsburg stay up there. I mean, you've got Bayern, you've got Darman, you've got Leverkusen in the other three spots in the Champions League. And, and unfortunately, as you said, Jesse Marsh's Leipzig is down there mired back in 12th. So we'll have to see can he get his boys going as the season moves on. Let's jump down just south of Germany, and that is to Italy, where, as we can see, Except for Juventus, it's pretty much status quo. Inter, Milan, Napoli, and Atalanta sit at the top after an interesting week of play. Sees Juventus get a draw with Milan, but again, still no three points. Still mired back in in, in the, the mid-depths of the Italian table. Yeah, and just looking at that Juve lineup that they put out against AC Milan, I mean, you got the likes of Stanzini, Chiellini, Bonucci, Morata, Dybala, Rabio, Betancourt, Cuadrado. You got all these guys, and yet Juve, like you said, they're still sitting down mid-table in 13th place right now with only one win from five games played. And then I think that's the big story right now is that Inter and AC Milan are both on top of the table right now on four wins and a draw each. And Milan, of course, getting a 2-0 win over Venezia today at the San Siro, and Juve getting a win to get off the schneid there, 3-2 on the road against Spezia. Big win for them with Matthijs De Ligt getting a goal in their first win post-Ronaldo. So it'll be interesting to see how the rest of these midweek matches go. And then going into the weekend, Inter play Atalanta on Saturday at 11 o'clock. So you got your college football this weekend, but definitely keep an eye on Inter versus Atalanta. That's going to be one of the biggest games in all of European football this weekend. 
That'll be an absolute cracking game. Still three games left in this current round. The Sampdoria versus Napoli, Torino versus Lazio, and Roma versus Udinese all to go tomorrow before we get to the weekend. Round six matchups. Let's jump from Serie A down to La Liga, where we see, except for Barcelona, and kind of like in Italy, except for Barcelona, the, the normal suspects, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, and Real Sociedad currently sit in the Champions League spots. And let's look back at the last result, the, the results of this win, midweek play that we have currently. She's Real Madrid smashed Mallorca 6-1 today. Atletico edging Getafe 2-1. And let's see, any other uh, Sevilla getting a big 3-1 win over Valencia at home. Still with games between Granada, Sociedad, Osuna, and Batiste, and Cadiz in Barcelona still to round out this round six in Spain. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy. After the game on Saturday, it was a nil-nil draw between Atletico Madrid and Athletic Bilbao at the Metropolitano. That was a big result for Bilbao as they look to try and keep themselves up near the top. And then, like you said, Real Madrid have just been coasting along, haven't they? They've been able to go five wins in a draw from six played. Atleti sit right behind them and Sevilla behind them. So those three are unbeaten. And then you've also still got Barcelona. As much as they are struggling, they are still unbeaten in league play so far. They've only played four games, but they do have two wins and two draws off of that. And then Villarreal actually are still unbeaten as well. They've got only one win, but they do have four draws. They're kind of like what we were talking about Ukraine in World Cup qualifying with six draws from six matches played for them. But I think right now the question is going to be whether or not Barcelona can get back up there. Of course, we're very early into the season and we have plenty of time. We have also have the likes of Rayo Vallecano up in fifth right now with three wins and a draw from six played. Sociedad right behind them in sixth and Bilbao sitting on two wins and three draws through six games played. So you got a couple teams up there that are definitely fighting for these lower European spots. And don't be surprised if some of them are still there come winter time and getting into the spring and into the real tough days of the season. Yeah, it'll be fascinating. La Liga is always one that comes down towards the end of the season to, to see who is going to hoist the cup with so many fantastic clubs in Spain. Let's jump over to the EPL where it just keeps getting more and more entertaining in this top heavy EPL. But I'm looking at the results from last round, and I have to say a little bit of a shocker seeing Southampton getting a nil-nil draw over mighty Man City. But the others near the top of the table get big wins. Chelsea nipping Tottenham Hotspurs 3-0. Man City just edging the hammers. West Ham 2-1. Brighton and Hove Albion getting a big 2-1 win over Leicester. And Liverpool taking down Crystal Palace 3-0. And Arsenal finally getting a win 1-0 over Barn uh, over Burnley. So we look at the table really quickly and we see, I mean, three of the teams we expected there. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United. But Brighton and Hove Albion are fourth on the table right now in the EPL. Take a picture. Brighton and Hove Albion is one is two points ahead of Manchester City. Even though it is early, they are still ahead of Manchester City at one time during the season. Yeah, and another one that you didn't talk about was your, your little boys, Brentford, getting a 2-0 win over Wolves on the road. So they're sitting in ninth right now. They only have one loss through five matches played in the league so far this year. So, yeah, Brighton sitting in fourth, City in fifth. Everton are sitting in sixth. So that's that's pretty interesting. And then the 
it'll be really interesting for me to see whether or not Leicester and Arsenal sitting 12th and 13th respectively can get things going, get themselves a little bit further up into the table. And while we're in England, I do just want to run through the Carabao Cup real quick because we've seen a couple of really interesting results. A 3-0 win for Liverpool on the road, 7-0 for Brentford playing Oldham at home. They had a crazy game there. Southampton and Sheffield United playing a crazy match that went to penalties with Southampton winning. Watford going down to Stoke 3-1 at home. Sunderland beating Wigan 2-0, Preston beating Cheltenham 4-1, QPR knocking Everton out 8-7 on penalties. If you wanted a crazy game, that was everything it could have lived up to be and more. That's that's absolutely insane to see that. And and those are always good. Like I, I love seeing the upsets. I mean, that's the one thing the Carabao Cup sometimes can be one of those misnomered cups in the at least in england is because many teams kind of they let their seconds play that tournament they don't really put a lot into it so even seeing some of the upsets are absolutely fascinating to watch i think that is going to do it for our quick wraparound of the domestics now let's go to european play and we'll, we'll quickly run over the round one matchups and results from the europa league and let me pull the Band-Aid off very quickly as my beloved Celtic fall in Spain to Real Betis 4-3 in a just an insane game. Celtic gets the first two goals. Betis rolls four in a row before Celtic can finally edge one home late but just can't get the, the equalizer as they fall in Spain 4-3. Kind of a heartbreaker there for me. Looking over some of the other results um, I don't feel as bad as Leon go in to Glasgow and get a 2-0 win over Rangers. Leicester and Napoli play to a 2-2 draw. PSV Real Sociedad, a 2-2 draw. Let's see. Galatasaray with a big win over Lazio, 1-0. Marseille and Lokomotiv, 1-1. Red Star beats Braga, 2-1. And West Ham goes in to Zagreb in Croatia and gets a big 2-0 win on the road. The Hammers finding a way to get a result on the road. Yeah, West Ham have had a pretty crazy start to the season, haven't they? They started really well in the Premier League. They lost to Manchester United at home, but they rebounded in the Carabao Cup and they got a win in the Europa League. And they're going to be heading into their first home match in European play in quite some time in a little bit. And then, like you said, Lyon with a big 2-0 win over Rangers. I thought that was really big of them to go into Glasgow and get the result there. And then the big one for me, I think, was the Leicester-Napoli match. That game was just insane with a 2-2 finish seeing Perez and Barnes score for Leicester and Osimens getting two goals for Napoli and Wilfred Ndidi getting sent off. So that one really had everything. And if we take a look at the standings in the groups real quick, we'll be able to see Lyon with a good start on three points, Monaco with a good start in group B on three, Legia on three points out of group C, Olympiacos on three points in group D, Galatasaray on three points out of group E, Red Star, in Group F, Betis and Leverkusen in Group G, and West Ham and Genk getting the results in Group H. So a couple of draws out of the first match day, but good starts for a couple of those teams, and it'll be really interesting to see where we go from there. Now that 2-2 draw with Napoli and Leicester, she's Legia Warsaw, who I don't think many people saw in, in the top spot of the group at any time in this group. So the, the draw kind of helps out the Polish, the Polish side 
there since since we're on Europa do you mind let's really quickly we'll, we'll run through the second day of games and then we'll we'll jump to the Champions League I know it's kind of bass backwards but that's okay we're we're kind of already on the topic just just looking at it really quickly I know there's always going to be some good games what are some of the matchups you're looking forward to in group in the second game of group play yeah we got a couple of really interesting ones here if we go through them real quick of course, it wants to go away on me once I pull it up. Uh, so here we go. So we got Real Sociedad against Monaco. I think that's a really interesting one, seeing the Spain-France matchup, seeing how Monaco matches up to the power of Real Sociedad. You were just talking about Legia Warsaw. They're going to be going up against Leicester City and playing them at home, seeing how Leicester goes into Poland and playing there in Warsaw. And then your beloved Glasgow Celtic. This is, this is, for me, the big one. They have to go against Bayer Leverkusen go against the likes of Florian Wirtz and the rest of those guys there. It's a tough team in Bayer Leverkusen. But I that's think it's in Glasgow, but that's in Glasgow and Glasgow nights in paradise and Celtic park are always fun and they always come up big. The atmosphere is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to that game because I think this, this is a big, big one for Celtic. Can they at least get a draw out of this one, get some points in a game against a very tough Leverkusen side that I think many people kind of, tick as the group winner so this is massive for them um i'm liking uh, also the the glasgow is sparta uh, sparta praha hosting rangers that'll be very fascinating to see how that matchup goes uh real sociedad and monaco in in spain will be another really interesting one royal antwerp hosting frankfurt marseille hosting galatasaray will be a, a fun one there uh ferenc Veros hosting real betis will be fascinating in that other group and then gank facing dynamo zagreb that i think will be another fascinating matchup so still a, a lot of american mark mckenzie playing for gank in that game yeah it'll be it'll be fascinating to see how that goes so, we, so we'll stay on the preview uh, little section here, and we will go to the Champions League where we will preview this round's upcoming games. And again, the Champions League, you always have great matchups. So really quickly, I mean, there's one that just jumps off the page and, and, and that's on the 28th, and that is PSG hosting Manchester City. The amount of money in this game is going to be ridiculous. I would love to see the total squad values of both PSG and Man City combined. This probably is going to end up being the most expensive match ever played in the history of football. So that's going to be a really interesting one to see how that goes down. One that I'm really looking forward to is Sharif. They're going to be going on the road to play Real Madrid in the Champions League. What a Cinderella run they're going to be going on. And the game is going to be played at the Bernabeu. They've finally gotten enough renovations done to be able to play once again inside the Bernabeu and not at the Castilla Stadium. So it'll be a great homecoming for Real Madrid in the Champions League. But I think another big one for me is AC Milan facing Atletico Madrid at the San Siro. That's a huge matchup with the Italian second place team going up against Atleti who are the defending champions and definitely look out for Shakhtar Donetsk hosting Inter Milan. I think that's going to be a really tough matchup for the defending Scudetto winners and Shakhtar Donetsk. I mean, we we've seen it before, Donnie, we've seen some pretty crazy results with this Ukrainian team. And I think that they could be in for a, for, for potentially a draw here. And who knows, maybe they could really push Inter and get three points off of them. We'll have to see. 
Yeah, they, they really play some of the bigger some of the big boys of Europe really well at home. I'm also I'm also very intrigued on in the 2019 Man United hosting Villarreal. And, and the biggest one that I think just to see can they get off the Schneid? And that's Juventus hosting Chelsea at at home in Italy. It'll be fascinating to see. Can the old lady pull their bootstraps up and play much, much better than they have now? They've, they've been playing a tiny bit better, but this Chelsea team is absolutely red hot right now. So this is a dangerous, dangerous matchup for the Italian, for the Italian giants with Chelsea coming to town. Definitely. And then another one that us American fans are going to want to keep an eye on is going to be Salzburg versus Lille. See if Timothy Weah ends up getting to play through injury and then seeing Brendan Aronson get another run out in the Champions League in Salzburg. So that's going to be a really interesting one for us American fans. I think another one you definitely want to keep out with another American connection is Atalanta versus Young Boys to kick off match day two on the 29th. I think that's going to be a great game down at Atalanta, seeing whether or not Jordan Pethok can get another crucial goal goal for young boys as they look to get another three as they look to get more points in the champions league off of quality uh, opposition yeah it'll be absolutely fascinating so let's jump to it sir i think our european days our european talk is done let's jump back over here to your beloved mls and i'm looking at it really really quickly let's go to round 20 Two, and some of the results that have happened, some absolutely fascinating uh, results that have happened since the last time we have talked. And I see, ooh, some, some interesting results, including LAFC finding a way to take down your beloved sporting KC. Do I want to ask how that happened? Oh, you might be looking at a different Ooh, match day. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking a few rounds back. Wow, let's let's actually catch up. I'm first of September here. My, LAFC uh, did play against Portland Timbers. They lost two one. So that's a big result there. But I think a couple of other ones that actually benefit Sporting. Yeah, uh, RSL beating Seattle Sounders in Sandy, Utah, by a score of one to nil, and Colorado Rapids only managing a draw against the Whitecaps of Vancouver, one to one. So that's a really interesting one. San Jose and a barn burner get by Austin FC at Q2 Stadium four to three in a crazy game there. And Minnesota United getting a huge win over LA Galaxy three nil. So we've got a really interesting Western Conference picture shaping up as all clubs except for Seattle and Minnesota in the in the top seven are on 25 matches played. So we have Seattle, Colorado, Minnesota. Vancouver they're all on 24 matches played so they all have games in hand but right now we've got got Sporting Seattle Colorado LAFC Portland RSL and Minnesota as the top seven in the Western Conference and then in the Eastern Conference we still have New England running away with things followed then by Nashville New York Orlando Montreal Atlanta and Philadelphia so we've got a lot of really interesting results out of this past week which sporting actually had off. And then I'm going to go ahead and put on sporting TV here because we've got a huge matchup on Sunday against the Seattle Sounders one V two on FS one. It's going to be a huge matchup. The question is whether or not sporting will be able to hang with the defending Western conference champions and push them to the limit. And if they can, they're going to really make things interesting in the table and put some space between them and Seattle who are knocking on their door. 
But prior to that matchup, we do have a League's Cup final tonight between Club Leona and Seattle Sounders at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. So that's going to be a really interesting one, precluded by the Hudson River Derby between the New York Red Bulls and NYCFC played at Red Bull Arena. So that's going to be a really fun one to watch. And then as we get into the weekend, got a couple of big ones between Philadelphia and Atlanta, who we've seen them play each other a couple of times this season already, producing a lot of really great results. We got Revolution playing against Orlando. That was going to be a really tough one for both sides as New England looks to rebound from a draw. Columbus plays Montreal in Columbus. That's a tough one for the crew and see whether or not Montreal can keep up the surprise run that they've been on. And we've got another NYCFC Red Bulls matchup, this time being played at Yankee Stadium. So we'll get to see two league showdowns between NYCFC and the Red Bulls in four days, which I don't think that's ever happened before, but that's going to be crazy to see a matchup between the San Jose Earthquakes and LAFC is going to be a really tough one to watch. And then Chicago versus Nashville on Sunday will be a very interesting one to start the games on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Just an crazy, a crazy, crazy round. And we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And to see New England, to see the New England Revolution just absolutely running away with the Eastern Conference is absolutely fascinating to see how that is going to go, sir. I think that is going to do it for our football section of our of our podcast let's jump to our college football section and wow it's just some absolutely barn burning games but i I gotta ask sir let's let's jump right into it let's pull the band-aid off what happened with oklahoma keeping nebraska in this game or is nebraska kind of sneakily better than i think a lot of people thought with that edging win that edging seven point win over the huskers this weekend yeah it it was a tough one i think that the the nostalgia and the history of the game kind of held ou back a little bit in a way i don't know but it, it was really interesting because it never seemed like ou was really able to fully open the playbook up And they were really trying to establish a running game for a lot of the game, but it wasn't necessarily working as much as Lincoln Riley would have liked. So they got the job done. It's a, it's a seven point win, but like you said, they they could have done a lot better and they should have done a lot better against the Nebraska team, which I, I definitely probably overlooked a little bit heading into the game, but definitely looked pretty good on their own. I mean, they, they did do, a pretty decent job. I think that they had a couple of opportunities that they squandered that they could have done a little bit better on. They missed a couple of kicks, but I think Adrian Martinez had himself a pretty decent game. And it seems like teams are really getting up to play against OU. I mean, Tulane was definitely all there when they were playing against us early in the season and Nebraska showed up. They, they definitely made it tough to tough to break them down and tough to get through them. But in the end, it's a win for Oklahoma. They stay unbeaten for now, and they've got a really tough matchup against West Virginia on sun, on Saturday night football this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how they get on in that game. Yeah, it was it was I, I trying to keep an eye on that game, and it was fascinating how Nebraska just stayed in that game continually and continually. So I'm I'm hoping Oklahoma can find their offensive legs because. Honestly, I, they're, they're such a talented squad. I'm hoping that they, they come good 
as the next few weeks go on. And, and early in the day over Saturday, I had to admit upset seemed to be the word of the day as Michigan state goes into Miami with a big 21 point win over the hurricanes in Miami and the West Virginia Mountaineers get to big lead early, kind of let Virginia tech back into the game, but end up holding a six point win 27, 21. So I, I, how surprising were a couple of these upsets? I mean, I know I remember putting Michigan, Miami on upset alert because I thought Michigan State has a has a has a, a very scrappy ball club that I think they're gonna they're gonna do some damage in the Big Ten East this year. Yeah, kind of what I was saying about Oklahoma not being able to establish a run game. Michigan State established it. They were able to take that and go with it. Walker with 27 carries and 172 yards on the ground. I mean, that's just a crazy game to have. And going up against a team like Miami, that that just speaks to the character of the Spartans. They, they, did, they did a fantastic job. And then similar with West Virginia, they were able to hold on. It was a really tough game against West or against Virginia Tech, but they were able to get things done. 161 yards for Brown on the ground. It's a big day for him. And it, it definitely looked like there were a couple of other games that potentially could have turned into upsets. Coastal Carolina. They only beat Buffalo by three on the road. Notre Dame had a tough game against Purdue. They won that one by 14 in the end, but it was a tough win, 27 to 13. And then the number one team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide, they had a tough game at the Swamp against Florida. They go in and they hold on. They get the win 31 to 29. So there were a couple of really incredible games over this weekend. And one team that I put on upset alert, and I think we and I, you and I both put on upset alert, Iowa State, they rebounded. They they for sure found their legs and they were able to get a good win over UNLV 48 to three. So they were completely there in that one and they got through there. Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, just looking at it, how many, how many seated teams had a little bit of struggles. Like, I, as you said, uh, Cincinnati, I, I honestly, I think if it weren't for a targeting call on one of Indiana's defenders, I think that could have been a different game. It, it ended up being a 14 point win by the Bearcats, which is a big win over a big 10 team that I think is still pretty solid. Um, but I think the Bearcats got a little bit of luck there. Clemson's offensive struggles and woes continue just beating the Georgia tech um, yellow jackets at home 14 to eight in, in just an ugly, ugly game. There's something wrong in Clemson. We'll have to figure it out. I, I, I still have to say, I am shocked to see Florida with only two points behind Bama. So the invincible Bama that everybody says, I'm more questioning Miami now than I'm questioning Alabama because I don't think Bama is this unbeatable team. I think Miami is not a very good football team and Alabama jumped all over it, but sir, let's jump to it. We, we got to talk about it. The game, the marquee game, the game day game, the whiteout in state college, Pennsylvania, as the Penn state Nittany lions edge, the Auburn tigers, 28, 20 in an absolutely fantastic football game. I watched every minute of this game. It was worth the watch. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on this game? Because for me, this was absolutely an incredible football game. Yeah, the football game was great, but can we talk about the fans for a second? I mean, how much did we miss 110,000 people all in white, except for a spattering of orange and blue. I mean, the, the whiteout is one of the best traditions in all of college football, and it's definitely on any American sports fans bucket list to go to Penn State, go to Happy Valley, see a whiteout game because the atmosphere in Beaver Stadium was just absolutely incredible. And it, it, it 
it makes me feel pretty good as an Iowa fan when we went in there our Orange Bowl year and we're able to to get a win with Adrian Claiborne and the and the team off of Penn State at a wideout. But enough of that. But it, it's going to be very interesting because speaking of Iowa, with this win for Penn State, it's setting up to what could potentially be a top five showdown in Iowa City in a couple of weeks. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but Penn State take care of business. Iowa, take care of business, please, because we could see an absolutely incredible matchup in a couple of weeks between the Penn State Nittany Lions and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Just keep that date circled on your calendar, folks. Just to quickly go through it, if I see correctly, looking through it, Penn State has Villanova this week and then a tricky game against Indiana at home are their next two games where Iowa gets Colorado State this week and then a fun Friday night game against the Maryland Terrapins out in Maryland, which I think will be a fascinating game with, with their quarterback who loves to throw the ball around. So it'll be fascinating to see their, their very, very good quarterback against the Iowa defense. But, but after that massive game, there was still another ranked ranked game out in the West coast as BYU gets another PAC 12 win beating the Arizona state sun devils by 10, 27, 17 and BYU again is stamping their, themselves as one of the group of five tip players that could potentially push their noses in with a chance to get in to the playoffs if they continue to win football games well we were just talking about that night game that's going to be between the Hawkeyes and the Nittany Lions that same day fast forward you're looking at Boise State going to Provo and playing a BYU team and I think that game is going to be another very very interesting matchup could be like pack 12 or whack after dark the, the old school whack after dark so i think that one's going to be a very interesting one to watch for byu if they can keep the train rolling then after that they're going to have baylor coming up as, as well so byu's got a couple of interesting games on their schedule and they conclude it with usc so i think if byu can take care of business definitely look at them to be pushing into a new year's six bowl if they can keep winning games and keep making statement victories yeah, definitely. And then the end, the last game of the entire night sees a massive upset as the Fresno State Bulldogs go into LA and find a way to knock off the 13th ranked Bruins. The Bruins get the massive win over LSU and just stumble a little bit against a tough Fresno State football team. So the upsets just continue to happen in college football. Yeah, Fresno State is definitely stamping their their seal on the on the game right now they had a tough game against Oregon where they were a little bit unlucky to go up to Autzen Stadium and face a really tough Oregon team but Fresno State are looking really good right now they've got a bit of a favorable next couple of games too they've got UNLV at home they've got Hawaii on the road which is always tough but if they can take care of business look at them going into a matchup against Boise State later on the season in November that's another really interesting one so Fresno State have a couple of really good chances to keep rising themselves up the rankings. Definitely, for sure. And speaking of the rankings, let's go to it really quickly. Let's look at the AP poll really quickly. And not much change at the top. Alabama, Georgia, stay at home one and two. Very interesting. As an Oklahoma fan, are, are you a little sad that though you get a win over Nebraska, you drop one spot to Oregon and drop into the fourth spot after the kind of a tough game against a Nebraska team that I think is not getting the love that some people think Nebraska should get. 
Sad, no. I'm actually not too terribly surprised. Oregon with a 41-point win over a elite Stony Brook side. But Oklahoma, yeah, with only a seven-point win as a number three team, they got to do a little bit better to keep that spot. But they are still up there, and it's very early in the season. So as long as they can just keep rattling off wins and keep staying up toward the top of the pole – then they should be in contention as the season goes on. If we take a look at some of the big movers, I think Penn State's the big one. They, they go up four spots to number six. They sit right behind the Hawkeyes and the Sooners. But the biggest riser is BYU, who we were just talking about. They're up eight spots to 15, sitting right behind Iowa State. And the biggest drop happened to be UCLA who dropped all the way from 13 down to 24. They drop 11 spots. And Virginia Tech, Arizona State, and Miami dropping out. TCU, Liberty, and Virginia Tech are the ones that are right outside the top 25 looking to get themselves in. And Michigan State, Fresno State, and Kansas State were the teams unranked last week up into the rankings this week at Michigan State 20. Fresno State 22 and Kansas State 25. Yeah, definitely fascinating to look at it. The coaches poll, which I kind of put very little into it, still seeing not a lot of change. Iowa moves up from seventh to sixth. Clemson drops down. Penn State drops from 12th to eighth. Old Miss jumps up. BYU with a seven person, 17 jump to 16th. Michigan State jumps in to this to the rankings in the coaches' poll. So does Fresno State with UCLA dropping 11 spots to 24th. Let's take a look now very quickly at some of the marquee matchups here in week four. And conveniently, my uh, my electronical devices having to think. So I'm not sure. Electronics don't work when you want them to work. They only work when you're like off camera or getting ready to go into a meeting. Then (laughs) once you hop in, they always mess up, but Uh, we've got a couple of really good ones. And the one to start the game, the day, the the big noon kickoff game on Fox at soldier field, it's going to be Notre Dame playing Wisconsin. So neutral site game for those two. You got the the Notre Dame team that has had a couple of close calls earlier in the season and a Wisconsin team that they're they're a typical Wisconsin team. They're they're a tough, grinded out type of team. They've had a couple of really interesting games to start the season. They lost to Penn State at home. They bounced back with a win against Eastern Michigan. Now's another big test for the Badger team, see whether or not they can stand up to the firepower of the Notre Dame fighting Irish. That's going to be a really tough one. And then the other ranked ranked matchup that we have this week is going to be between the Texas A&M Aggies who we, we saw in the coaches poll, they're getting a little bit more love in the coaches poll than they are on the AP poll. They're sitting at seven right now in the AP poll, but they got a tough road matchup against Arkansas and going to Arkansas and playing on the road in Fayetteville is a very tough ask. It's a very, very interesting matchup because this one's actually going to be at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. So we'll have to wait and see how the fan breakdown is going to work if one side's going to get more of a benefit than the other with that one. So we've got two ranked ranked matchups. Any others that really that really pique your interest, Donnie? Well, I'd be fascinated for for one just because you would have asked me a couple of years ago if this would have been an entertaining ABC 230 game and I I would have I would have laughed at you and that's Rutgers at 3 and 0 
at the big house at Michigan. Also, 3 0, 230 ABC game. Sneaky good game there. Sneaky good game. You got a, a Rutgers team that's the way three and- the the way that things have been going so far, I, I might actually pick Rutgers to cover the spread there to, to see if they can play Michigan close because this might be, a like you said, a sneaky close game. And then while we're at it, at the same time as the, the Rutgers-Michigan game, Iowa State is on the road against Baylor, which is a very mm-hmm. tough, tough matchup in Waco. So see whether or not Iowa State can continue their little bounce back after the Iowa loss. Yep, and I'll keep an eye keep an eye out. Six PM on FS One. Nebraska goes to Michigan State. That'll be a, that'll be a very interesting one. I think will be kind of a gauger for Michigan State in the Big Ten. Your beloved Oklahoma Sooners have West Virginia come to town, so it'll be fascinating to see that one. And then always out west, one that's always entertaining, and that's UCLA at Stanford. So that'll be another one to keep an eye on. Other than that, a lot of the games look to be, should be wins. Um, but, oh, I just remembered this one. The old rival, the old rivalry in the SEC East, Florida hosting Tennessee. Tennessee's been kind of on and off a little bit, but I think Coach Heppel might be starting to get something going at Tennessee. They go down to the swamp. How does Florida bounce back from a gut-wrenching loss to Alabama at home in the swamp? That'll be always a fun one. That's a 6 p.m. kickoff on ESPN, so I will definitely have to keep an eye on the Volunteers versus the Gators in that one. Other than that, uh, most of the rated teams look to have matchups. I think they should be able to win North Carolina playing Georgia Tech in Atlanta. That'll be a fun one to keep an eye on. South Florida, yeah, I'm going to BYU. So Provo again, getting a getting a kind of a marquee matchup there. So um, I think that will do it for our week four. Let's jump down to it, sir. The footy. We have made it the the ultimate and final game of the season, as bittersweet as it is. It's always fun to talk about let's break down the game really quickly before we tip western bulldogs v melbourne demons and optus stadium out in perth how excited are you for this game just give you a real quick breakdown of, of what you like for both the bulldogs and the demons and who's your tip to be hoisting the cup at the end of the night well this is always what we all look for all of us footy fans, especially over here in the States who get, who get a chance to follow the game closer than a lot of other people do kind of, kind of have our little, it's almost like a cult, you know, the, the, the guys who stay up late at night to watch the footy, see everything crazy that goes on down in Australia. But it, it's been such a fun season to watch. It's been crazy to see the, the fast paced footy played by the dogs and the the ascension of the demons after the prelim loss in 2018 the disappointments in 19 and 20 and then they shoot back up way to the top they win the minor premiership they get to their first grand final in a very 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 long time so it's just such a great thing to be able to watch and especially seeing two very historic teams two of the oldest teams in the afl go at it in a grand final that's going to be played in front of a full house in Perth in on the other side of the country. So that's going to be a very interesting aspect to see at a twilight grand final in Western Australia. It's going to be a great chance for the Western Australia footy community to gather up and see a great match between the two teams who quite frankly have been the best two teams over the course of the season. Port Adelaide's been in there a little bit. Brisbane and Geelong were kind of fluttering up at the top for a little while as well. 
But these two, I think, have been the two most complete and well-rounded teams that are going to be contesting the grand final. So what I like for both of these teams is that both teams are very well balanced. I mean, they, they both have outstanding midfields. I mean, we saw Clayton Oliver and Marcus Bontempelli competing very, very closely with Ollie Wines at the Brown low count. They've been fantastic for their teams. Christian Petraka, Adam Trelor. I mean, I mean, they can pretty much go neck for neck in the midfield. And I think it's going to come down to the, the ends of the field, the forward and back lines. Cause I think that if we can see one of the forward lines get on top of the, the other team's back line and be able to control the stoppages and get in and around the contest and be able to, to create mismatches. I think that's what it's going to come down to. I think it's going to be very close. We saw them play, to play two times earlier this season. We got to see wins from Melbourne in round 11 and the dogs in round 19 by roughly the same score. So it, it's really tough to tip this game, but I, I've been very impressed with the way that Melbourne has been able to stay consistent over the course of the season. They weren't affected by the, by the qualifying win and the buy that they got in between the qualifying final and the prelim final. Whereas the Bulldogs had to go through a little bit of a dip in form over the end of the season. And then they got better as the finals run went on. But I think that Melbourne have shown that they've been able to time and time again, prove why they've been the best team in the competition this year. And I think that Max gone has really come into his own over the final series. He kicked the winning goal in round 23 to clutch the minor premiership. He had a crazy game in the prelim against Geelong. I think that he's going to have a really great game in the ruck, get a couple of goals. I think that Ben Brown's going to kick a couple of the offseason acquisition up in the forward line for the demons. I think that the demons are going to just barely get by the dogs here. I think they're going to win by 14 points. I I'm, I'm completely with you on this one. Like, I think this is going to be an absolutely fascinating game. And the fact that I look at it is Dougie's D's played twice during the season and they split the two games. D's getting the first win. Dougie's getting the second win. The only thing that bugs me about this final is, is the fact that the Melbourne demons have only played one game in the span of 28 days. Some people would say that's great for rest. That's great. But that also helps produce rust. And it's, exactly. it's, it's been very interesting to hear some of the narrative is, is that the demons have kind of come over and kind of shut themselves off to the world. They're only focusing on the footy where the doggies have been kind of loose and, and, and kind of more loose around when it comes to media representation and, and, and all that. So I'm very fascinated to see the first 10 minutes of the game, because if the dogs can jump out early and get, a little bit of momentum, get a couple of goal lead. I'm worried the D's may press. I'm worried the D's may try to do some things they're not normally used to doing. They're a very good footy, good ball handling team, but I'm worried they're going to try to be super aggressive to try to make up for a deficit. And that could actually play into the Dougie's hands. I'm going to tip the D's, but this game for me has tightened up a little bit over the last couple of weeks, just because of that fact that, I the signs around the D's is not exactly great. Just from what I'm hearing, I'm hoping the D's play as well as they did in that preliminary final. If so, it's going to be very difficult for the doggies to be able to put up a score to be able to match the D's, but max gone kicking five goals. It's not something that happens 
very often. So I, I'm not sure if I want to chalk that one up to the proverbial board on the, on the D side, but um, I, I think the doggies have been incredible. I think the D's have been incredible. This, this game is going to be absolutely awesome considering it's going to start in the twilight. It's going to go to nighttime. It's going to be an electric atmosphere sold out. It's going to be fun. I think the D's are going to edge this one. I think it's going to be less than two goals. I think this is going to be an absolute barn burner, and I cannot wait to watch this game of footy, sir. And that, sadly, will end our our, our chat about footy, at least for this week. And it brings us to our favorite time of the podcast, one of the most well-thought-of part of our podcast, and that is Brad's crazy stat of the week. Brad, what have you got for us this week? Well, the NFL is back and it's been crazy to see the create the insanity that has happened in the first two rounds of the NFL season. And we're going to go to the Washington football team here and we're going to talk about Taylor Heineke, who has become somewhat of a cult hero. And he came in last year to replace the injured Alex Smith. And he started the first two games this season. And there were his first three starts as an NFL quarterback, both last year in the playoffs and then the first two matches this season. So Taylor Heineke has completed 93 passes over the span of those three games, starting his very first start in the playoffs last year against Tom Brady in a crazy turn of events there, and then the first two games of the season. So 93 completed passes. That's the most completions by any quarterback over his first three career starts in NFL history, regular season and postseason, most ever by a starter in their first three appearances. That's absolutely insane. Another great, absolutely fantastic stat to end our podcast, sir. Uh, we've come to the end. We, we never like to end these podcasts, but we've, we've come to the end. So many great things to watch this weekend. A grand final, a champion will be will be crowned. We will discuss that on next week's podcast. I cannot wait. Uh, it'll be absolutely outstanding. If, if you keep an eye on it, uh, if you're on Twitch, myself and my my co-host for the fourth and long, uh, my my host from the fourth and long, Ross Allen, will be doing a stream. Brad, I got to ask, sir, do you think you can get up and hop on that stream with us? Just at least till halftime, unfortunately, since I don't think we're going to be able to do the full one. I'll be up for the grand final. If I can get my if I can get my technology sorted out, I might be able to hop on stream for a little while. So it'll be TBD on my stream appearance, but I will definitely be watching every minute of that grand final Red Bull in hand and everything. So it'll be very interesting to watch that game unfold. Awesome. Well, if you get your technology, let me know and I, I will send you a link to hop on to that. That'll be outstanding. I cannot wait for that. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been another awesome episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. Again, if you like what you're listening to, if you like hearing a couple of Iowa boys talk some sports, please give us a like and subscribe and share it with your friends. We may be a smaller podcast, but we have a lot of fun here. We chat sports. We, we just enjoy talking sport, no matter where it is, whether it's the U S Australia, England, and Europe, we love talking to it. So uh, thank you so much for the listen, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you again next week.